committed running back. Garoppolo's throw is caught by Jeff Wilson. He's going to score a touchdown for the 49ers. Man, what an electrifying play. Jimmy Garoppolo connecting with Jeff Wilson Jr. for a 25-yard touchdown, courtesy of Fox and NFL. What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach Hernand. You can find the podcast at RGS Pod. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Perry. Anthony, how you doing tonight? What's going on, Zach? What's going on, Faithful? It is your boy, Perry, back with another edition of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. We're going to get into a season recap. I'm really excited. It was really nice to open with that uh, Jeff Wilson touchdown call, as is. That's, that was probably one of my favorite calls of the season. But uh, as always, guys, find me on Twitter, Perry underscore 49ers. That's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49-E-R-S. Yeah, if you guys don't know by now, Anthony is a huge Jeff Wilson guy. Um, he was ecstatic when he was uh, active for the Super Bowl. So I just, you know, we had to go with that play call. There was no other option. Um, let's go ahead. Like Anthony said, we're going to be doing a regular season recap for the 49ers. And let's get right into it. Um, with the entire season now in the books, and you can look back in your rearview mirror, Anthony, what would you say is your one biggest takeaway from this 49ers team as a whole? My biggest takeaway, and I'll keep it simple, is that these guys are ready. And, you know, for a young team, they're already ready to take on a lot of adversity. And we'll consider the playoff games, too. But, I mean, going up against Green Bay, I know they slaughtered them, but it was all Aaron Rodgers is going to need to have this game. Aaron Rodgers is going to have to do this and that. And everyone was hyping him up, and Rodgers got shut down by the whole team. And so you look at games like that or, you know, obviously the sad Chiefs game where everyone thought they didn't stand a chance against the Chiefs offense, which, you know, I think they did. But in any event, the Saints game, the Rams game, both the Seahawks games, in my opinion, even the Ravens, the first time they played the Packers, it goes on and on. This team showed me that they can take on any form of adversity, and no matter what the score says and no matter what the lead is, they're ready to ball out, and they're not afraid to hold on to leads. They're not afraid to go out there and give it their all. And they proved that time and time again this season that they're not afraid to take on any challenge that they face. And you don't see young teams be like that, quite frankly. You see young teams will, they kind of struggle through adversity. It'll take some time to get used to what it's like to lose close games or what it's like to have to hang on to tight leads or trying to come back from leads, you know, things of that nature. And obviously last season was a good example you know, the team was relatively simple or relatively the same, but more or less last season they lost so many one-possession games and what they set the record for most games lost by a field goal or less. So it's things of that nature that really prepare a team, and I think last season really prepared them for this season. Now, I know faces change, players get added and subtracted, but overall the team was about the same. So, again, when you face all that adversity and you bring that into this season, it really shows. And as a whole, this team was fearless. That's my biggest takeaway is that these guys were absolutely fearless. Yeah, I mean, they were... I, I We've said it multiple times during the season when we were recording, but they kind of took the league by surprise. And um, I know a lot of people last year... And, and we talked about this too. It was kind of funny how last year... They were considered, you know, a, a dark horse candidate for, you know, a contender, possibly Super Bowl. And then, you know, we all know Jimmy gets injured. 
But this year, going into the season with Jimmy healthy and, you know, added pieces like Bosa and Ford and Debo, it seemed like nobody was talking about this team. And I didn't really understand the logic because it's like if they were, you know, less equipped last year and then, you know, this year they're going into the season and they're kind of, you know, being dismissed immediately. I thought that was funny, but I, I agree with you. They definitely did step up, you know, f- right away. They started, what, like 8-0, and I want to say. And then, you know, they lost that first one to Seattle in overtime and a heartbreak loss. But this team just came out of the gates firing on all cylinders. And it's really something you don't see much from a young team like this team. Um, my biggest takeaway, I think I'd have to say, is the players are... 100% buying into the culture here. They are 100% buying into what Kyle and John are selling. Um, you know, you could just see it with the guys that are scheduled to be free agents, uh, you know, now that the season's over. And I don't think I've heard one guy say the stereotypical, well, I'm going to do what's best for me answer. They're all saying, no, uh, I want to be back. You know, whatever it takes to be back, I want to do that. I think that the Niners have something good going on here and I want to be a part of it. And I think that just really speaks to the culture as a team and kind of, you know, what they have move, uh, what they have in place, excuse me, moving forward. And that was my biggest takeaway is that guys like, you know, wide receivers like, you know, even Emmanuel Sanders, who we acquired midseason, uh, you know, he was saying later on in the, in the year, you know, hey, I want to block more. We're, we're, we're running the damn ball. I want to block more. And that really just speaks to the mentality of, uh, players that are willing to buy in and put the team first. And I think that that kind of just says everything right there. Um, now, when we were going into the season, like I said, a lot of uh, media outlets like ESPN, NFL Network, they didn't have too high uh, expectations of this team. Kind of the notorious 3-13 and prediction from Adam Rank of NFL Network, I think kind of sum- summarizes all of that into one just egg of a prediction what were your expectations coming into this season and what impression did the team leave on you moving forward so coming into this season I really thought at best the team was going to be like 10 and 6 maybe 11 and 5 but I but I did really think that the low end of the team was 8 and 8 I didn't picture 4 and 12 or 5 and 11 or certainly not 3 and 13 but yeah I had some pretty high expectations I think I was along or I think I was about with the other group of fans who pretty much said that this team is a dark horse playoff team. They will definitely push for a wild card stop, wild card spot. But I definitely didn't think that they were going to push for a first round bye. I didn't expect thirteen and three. I didn't expect them to have the type of surge that they did this season. So, yeah, I I was really shocked, and they definitely left a positive impression on me, and definitely on a lot of people. Again. They're a very adversity-driven team. They know what it's like to take on challenges, and they're not afraid of anything. When you're not afraid of anything, especially in the NFL, that can always leave a really good lasting impression. And this team is just, they're just mentally and physically prepared to take on anything. So they definitely left a positive impression on me, and I definitely already have really high expectations for next season going forward. Yeah, I, I definitely had a bit more conservative expectations than some fans that were saying like, you know, 14 and two, 13 and three. And although they did do that, um, I, I thought that they weren't quite ready for that type of season yet. I was thinking, you know, 
maybe at best a wild card appearance and even you know a complete best case scenario they might win a wild card game but I did not see them going all the way to the Super Bowl I did not see them uh, winning the division I did not see any of that happening at least this year Um, I thought that they had it in them but I thought it was going to take a little longer than it actually did and you know when when stuff like this happens when teams have a Super Bowl run when they have you know just an 8-0 start it takes a lot more than just being a good team, um, as good as you are, you need to have good luck. You need to have, you know, the ball needs to bounce your way more often than not. You know, sometimes even calls or no calls comes into effect. So a lot went into this team making it all the way, you know, to the Super Bowl where they made it, winning the division, uh, winning both playoff games. So I just, a lot went right for them. So I think I, it's hard to factor all that in when you're predicting in August how much exactly is going to go right for them. But yeah, I definitely did not see them, at least this year, being where they went or where they ended up. Excuse me. Um, Shanahan, Coach Shanahan, had a lot on his plate heading into the season, being head coach, calling plays, you know, everything that he had just on his plate. How do you think that he was able to manage it coaching wise? Did you feel like it was too much or do you think he did a good job doing that? No, I definitely didn't think it would have really been too much for him. But after what happened last season with all the adversity, I definitely thought that he would be really tasked moving forward. And we saw how the adversity went this season already. I mean, after week three, half the team was already hurt. The season's moving along. Guys just keep getting hurt. And yet the Niners go 8-0, 9-0. I think they finished at 10-0 is the best or whatever. And they proved a lot of people wrong, and especially Shanahan, who coming into his third what third season now as the Niners coach at the time, really hadn't proven too much. And this was a season where people were like, oh, if Shanahan doesn't coach well, if Shanahan doesn't get it together, he's definitely on the hot seat. And, you know, a lot of that speculation can come from injuries, lack of talent, and guys just not being consistent. And he hadn't had that until we really got Garoppolo. So going into this season, once everything finally came together, now it was Shanahan's time to time to shine, if you will. And even when the guys weren't healthy, Shanahan was still at his best. So overall, it was really impressive. Shanahan, another guy who left a really, really, really solid impression on me as a fan. And he has a lot to offer. He really does. And again, this was his first full season where he finally had a solid team to work with not just on the offensive side, but on the defensive side as well. He finally had, you know, more or less a complete team. And we look at what he did in his first, you know, I guess you can say full season with a complete team. He did very well. So moving forward, I definitely expect Shanahan to really continue the progress that he's making. (laughs) I don't think he'll choke a game again like he did in the Super Bowl quote choke, but Overall, Shanahan proved that he can be an elite coach. He proved that he is an elite coach. Now it's just about staying consistent, being ready to take on anything once again, and getting the team back to the promised land. Yeah, and you know I agree with you that he managed it pretty well, um, especially with all the adversity that went on. Uh, they were uh, the injury bug. We were kind of hoping had left after last year and the year before that, but it still hit the team pretty heavily early on uh both tackles the kicker you know uh Kittle was injured Sanders ended up getting injured after we acquired him 
So he he had to deal with a lot on offense, um, and it wasn't you know everything all peachy. But I, I I think he did a very good job, just kind of you know uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, maneuvering through all the the uh, injuries. And no matter what it was, he was able to change his game plan, change his strategy, and overcome it. And I also credit a lot of it to the Mikes, Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniel, uh, the run and pass game coordinators, because they helped a lot with this uh, offense and how fluid it was and how efficient it was. And it was really nice to see because the 49ers previously had struggled mightily on offense, man. And this year was totally different. It was a very high-powered, explosive offense with a power running game that just blew every other team just about uh, out of the water, minus Baltimore when you take into consideration their quarterback. So it, it was great to see. And as far as Shanahan, I, there was I, I can't think of maybe one or two games max this entire season where I feel like he didn't have the clear coaching advantage heading into the game. Um, he was rarely out coached. Even you know we're talking about posting Super Bowl. Even in the Super Bowl, they asked him. I believe yesterday when he had the press conference, how did you feel about the plays? Would you play anything differently? And he says, you know what? Look, I I went back and I looked at it. I I called the right calls. Um, the Chiefs ultimately made a couple the plays that we didn't make, but if executed correctly, if you know we were able to execute them correctly, um, it it would have gone well, but. You know, it didn't go that way, but I, I really do think that he coached a really good season, um, especially with the injuries, like I said, considering everything. I think he did a really good job this year. So credit to Shanahan, credit to the Mikes, and I definitely see this offense taking a big step forward next year with another year of the system under Jimmy's belt. Same for Debo, George Kittle, you know, et cetera. It's going to be, it's going to be explosive again. Um, Moving on to John Lynch, how did you think John Lynch did? Um, you know he had some drafts, draft picks, excuse me, that hit the Sanders trade. How did you? How would you grade his year? I got you know, it's crazy because it seemed like he didn't do too much regarding trades, but it also seemed like he did the team a huge favor pulling off Emmanuel Sanders. On top of the draft class, dude. I mean Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, Wisniewski was solid. And a hidden gem in Dre Greenlaw. Talk about talk about just nailing everything possible. And obviously, Caden Smith got cut. Jalen Hurd has been hurt. And Tim Harris got IR'd also. He was a cornerback, I think, in the seventh round. But overall, I give John Lynch an A, dude. He obviously didn't miss on Nick Bosa. That was clearly the right choice. And you can't credit John Lynch any more than that because that's, that's what everyone wanted. But overall, Debo Samuel, definitely Kyle Shanahan choice, but John Lynch still just went with his gut, listened to Shanahan and made the pick, and obviously Debo worked out very well. Wisnowski, a solid punter. People laughed at the fourth-round pick. I definitely think they could have got him later in the draft, but I digress, dude. Wisnowski punted his ass off, if you will, and he just had a solid season. And obviously, Dre Greenlaw should have been a pro bowler. <laughs> you know, half the defense should have been pro bowlers, but in any event... Greenlaw was solid. He definitely already looks like one of the best young linebackers in the game, and he proved a lot his rookie season, and he already showed that he has a lot to offer moving forward. So give credit where credit is due for John Lynch, man. He nailed the draft. And then as for the Emmanuel Sanders trade, 
I, you know, Emmanuel Sanders had some, he has some very good standout games, but I still, I don't know. I feel like I wish we could have seen more out of Sanders, but in any event though, when you're running the ball as well as the team is, it doesn't really matter what Sanders does as long as he blocks. But overall, Sanders is exactly what the team needed. They needed a veteran wide receiver who had been to the playoffs, who had experience of being on successful teams, and the Niners hadn't really had any players on this team before Sanders who who had experienced that type of success, obviously outside of Garoppolo, Juszczyk, Sherman, uh, Staley, and you know maybe a couple others. But the point being is that the team was very young and hadn't necessarily experienced that type of playoff fever, if you will. So adding Sanders definitely helped lighten the load on the rest of the guys on offense. But overall, again, I got to give John Lynch an A. He did everything right. He did everything he was supposed to do. And in three seasons, he already looks like a very solid GM. We'll have to see what he does in this coming offseason. But, hey, to have a season like he did for this year, impressive. I definitely got to give him an A. Yeah, and you touched on the draft picks, Bosa, Debo, Greenlaw, Mitch. There's so many that I think were hits this year. And, you know, um, I think one key aspect that wasn't talked about enough was his um, free agency class going into this season, specifically Quan. Um, I know he, you know, tore his pack on Halloween and he wasn't able to come back until the playoffs. But man, what an addition he was um, for this defense because he early, the first half of the year, he was anchoring the, the defense and he was the, the, the heart and soul, essentially the spark that they needed um, and he, you couldn't have said how big of a signing that was, and he was heavily scrutinized for it. Um, I think a lot of fans wanted, if I remember correctly, C.J. Mosley, and when they signed Quan instead of uh, Mosley, there was some outrage on Twitter. I remember it, and it was kind of out of left field. I didn't hear any sort of reports of Quan's even visiting or any of that. It was just bam, Niners signed Quan to this big contract. And I remember people were questioning it. People were, you know, analyzing it. But I think he made the right decision. And, you know, he he ended up, I think you pointed out the other day, that he ended up restructuring his contract to help the team free up some space this year, which is huge. But, man, I think he earned his his contract at least in one year. And I I think that he's going to continue to help this team moving forward. And also, you know, the, the progression of guys like Fred Warner, um, even Emmanuel Mosley, I know Witherspoon kind of took a step back this year, but the beginning of the year before he got injured, he he looked really, really good. And Fred Warner was arguably, you know, aside from Bosa, the best player on defense this year. So I think I have to agree with you. I mean, he, I would give him an A this year, and that's trying to be as objective as possible. But man, a lot of things he did hit. Uh, and, you know, I think it's it's pretty safe to say that Emmanuel Sanders was the trade of the year as far as having an impact on the team that you were traded to. Man, he came in and he did exactly what the Niners needed him to do. I agree with you again that I kind of was expecting a little more from him, especially in the back end of the second half of the season. It seemed like he came on strong, really, really eager to prove himself to this team. And then he kind of I mean, it's hard to to judge because the 49ers also went more on the ground. They weren't throwing as much. 
but I, I still would have liked to see a little more from him, especially when they did throw in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. But it is what it is. Um, you know, we're not quite sure how these plays were drawn up and if he was the main target, whatever, whatever it may be. That that I gotta say it, that third and long shot in the end zone, I would have at the very, very least liked to have seen him uh seen him dive out for that ball. Just at least make an effort for it, but that's that's just me. I know everybody looks at it differently. Um, last on the kind of coaching staff grades, other side of the ball, defensive coordinator Robert Sala. There was a lot of criticism last year. He might not return. Uh, this defense is horrible, and it's because of him, essentially. On the flip side, would you say that the defense's success this year is all due to him and his scheme? So Sala has definitely had the benefit of having other solid assistant coaches like Joe Woods, obviously just got hired by the Browns, but Joe Woods, Chris Kosirik, D'Amico Ryans, you know, all those guys who are just solid, solid, solid coaches. But at the end of the day, it all falls on the one person who is coordinating the whole thing, and that's Sala. And he did a fantastic job calling games all throughout the season. Even last season, I know last season didn't go as expected, but the defense was still pretty impressive, I thought. They were top 10 run defense. I don't think they were a bottom 30 pass defense. I think they might have been in the 25 to 20 range. But the point being is that the defense last season wasn't even that bad, and Solid did not have much to work with at all. So you come into this season, you add D Ford, you add Quan Alexander, you get Emmanuel Mosley, Tarden Ward are finally healthy. Obviously, you draft Nick Bosa. Eric Armstead is balling out, Buckner is balling out, Blair, things of that nature. Everyone is just all on the same page, and Robert Sala is taking full advantage of it, and it's the fact that he really got the most out of all of his guys is what is the most impressive. There wasn't one game this season that I watched where I was like, wow, Robert Sala is calling a really bad game. And I'm going to discredit the Rams and the and the Saints because those are just two pretty high-profile offenses that can move the ball consistently. But when Salah's name was called upon to get the job done in the regular season, he got it done. He did what he was supposed to do. He called everything right, whether it was zone blitzing, man coverage, cover three, cover two, cover one. You know, you can go on and on. Salah just called a very solid game consistently. And that was the biggest thing coming into the season was that can he stay consistent with his play calling, especially with the addition of all the pieces on defense? And quite frankly, he did that. So you got to give Sala a lot of credit. I'm very glad he didn't get any head coaching opportunities. And I'm just glad he's with the team, at least for one more year. Yeah, there was so much talk about him not returning, not even finishing the season. Uh, I remember there were articles mid-season last year already talking about potential replacements and it was just it was crazy but obviously you know it's a unit the 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 failures of the unit is not all on one guy and on the flip side the successes of a unit are not all on one guy as well you win and lose as a team uh you you're at fault and you take credit as a team um i definitely think having guys like nick bosa and d ford rushing the passer in three seconds or less helped immensely but at the same time, that's exactly what his system is built, uh, how it's built to operate. Uh, you, you're the, that Seattle scheme is you know, pretty much predicated on the ability to get to the passer quickly and not making your 
secondary turn into a game of backyard football and you're scrambling back there trying to uh, defend for, you know, six, seven seconds. That's not how the scheme's meant to, to be played. And granted, I don't think any defensive scheme is, but this one more so. And, you know, it's funny you, you mentioned uh, Joe Woods, Chris Kasarek, and D'Amico Ryans. Those are literally the three names I had written down for this answer. And I just, um, those those three guys, man, they, they really, really helped. And we were talking earlier in the year when uh, Robert Sala was getting some uh, head coaching rumors to Cleveland and stuff like that, rumors uh, about D'Amico Ryan's possibly stepping up and being the defensive coordinator if that were to happen. And I just think that's how highly I thought of uh, D'Amico Ryan's. And I know Joe Woods is also a guy that could be um, thought of in that category. Obviously, he is now going to uh, Cleveland and he is taking Chris Kiffin with him, the pass rush specialist. He also, I'm sure, helped a lot this year. So um, the unit as a whole, I think, really, really played and coached well together. But it's going to be tough next year seeing how they overcome losing some talented coaches and talented you know, specialists that really helped get shape things up. Um, now, moving into more so of the players, we can go ahead and start with the offense. What would you say surprised you the most about the offensive unit? What surprised me the most about the offensive unit? It it was definitely the run game, I think. And I know Shanahan is already a genius when it comes to the run game. But the fact that he really got the most out of his backs, whether it was the first half of the season with Breida and, and Jeff Wilson, if you will, to the second half where it was really Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert, he got the most out of four running backs, five if you include Juszczyk, and obviously Debo Samuel, who loved to run end-arounds. He was solid on end-arounds this season. But overall, he just got he just got the most out of his running backs, and I know that's, that's pretty much what his offense is. It's get the most out of any running back that he has at his disposal. But the fact that he's getting it done with anyone, and everyone knew that he can get it done with anyone, but to see how successful it has been this season alone, it's really impressive and really exciting. So there's not much else I can really say for, for the offense and for Shanahan. I, Garoppolo was really good as well. It, w- it was just impressive as a whole. I definitely want to see Garoppolo pass more at times, but I can't complain too much because of how well the running game was moving. So overall, the offense I thought was really balanced. People would say, oh, the running game kind of carried it. Well, you look at the passing games, especially in the second half, like against Arizona, Seattle, the Rams, the Saints, the Packers when he needed to pass, and even the Ravens when he was clutch. Garoppolo was passing very well. He just didn't show it in the first half as much because of the run game being so dominant. So overall, I got to say that the entire unit was consistent. And they were really productive. They were absolutely productive. They were a top five offense, in my opinion, even when Grappler wasn't passing as much. But it just shows how efficient Shanahan is, and it shows how efficient the offense can really move as a whole. Yeah, I think what what surprised me the most this season just was how efficient and effective they were. Um, They were constantly moving the ball down, especially on that opening drive. They were going all the way down, um, and either you know they they more often than not left with points. Um, we hadn't seen a 49ers offense that effective in a very long time. Uh, they were very high scoring. 
They were an explosive offense. I know the narrative going into the Super Bowl was that the Chiefs were the more explosive offense, but I I forget who had the stat. I want to say it was David Lombardi. Uh, They broke it down, and they actually said, if you're going by, you know, plays and explosive plays, the 49ers actually had the more explosive offense. And I think that kind of surprised some people because they're no, they don't look at the 49ers as an explosive offense. They're kind of, the narrative is that they're a boring old school, uh, run the ball and play tough defense team when that's actually not true. And I think running the ball so well helps them be explosive because more, uh, man, how many times did we see Jimmy? play action and throw that bomb down the field this year it happened a lot and you know obviously you got to credit that to the running game working and the defense having to load the box and biting on the run so hard but it just it really I think honestly what also surprised me the most is how well Jimmy Garoppolo played this year when it was needed from him um, the most obviously the Super Bowl was unfortunate that they weren't able to come back but Looking back at the larger sample size of work here, the other, you know, what, 18 games, 18 and a half, you could even say, 18 three quarters, he played really, really well. And, you know, like we've said multiple, multiple times, he has a couple boneheaded mistakes, boneheaded throws here and there per game. But for the most part, he played really well, especially considering it's his first full year as a starter coming back from an ACL injury, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, taking all that into context, that really surprised me. I mean, I think he was like 22 yards short of 4,000 yards on the season, which would be the first 49ers quarterback since Jeff Garcia, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, to have a 4,000-yard season. So that's just, you know, that that would would be my two cents as far as what I took away from this offense and what surprised me the most about it. Um, And, yeah, I mean, obviously you can't not talk about the running game and also just how you can plug and play just about any back in Kyle Shanahan's running back as long as they have the right traits and they will succeed. Um, who would you say, Anthony, was the offensive MVP? God, offensive MVP. You know, it's really hard to tell because everyone on offense had very key roles. Kittle had another 1,000-yard season, but it felt like Kittle wasn't wasn't necessarily dominant when it came to receiving. I mean, he put up good numbers, but it wasn't like, I don't know, it wasn't like something we could have expected compared to last season. But nonetheless, it was a solid season. Debo Samuel was good. He had some lumps to work through, but overall he was good. So if I had to give someone MVP, man, it's tough because I want to give MVP to someone who has been consistent for the whole season, but because of how dominant his second half was, I got to give it to Raheem Mostert, man. He came out of nowhere when Brito was struggling, Tevin Coleman got hurt, Raheem Mostert stepped up, and he absolutely dominated his last seven or eight games. I think he averaged almost 80 yards, and obviously he had a couple hundred-yard games in there too. So I got to give it to Raheem Mostert. He definitely came up, stepped in, took the position of not running back one, but being the primary running back, and he ran away with it fast. And I know Shanahan likes to mix in his running backs a lot, but when it came to Mostert, I think Shanahan knew when he had to use him, and when he was in there, Mostert made the mo- made the most out of the plays in front of him. So I got to give it to Mostert, dude. He really put the offense up to the next level. 
He excelled in all aspects of running the ball. And again, he just dominated. No one would have thought Raheem Mostert would be playing like a top five running back in my opinion. But hey, here he is looking good as ever and looks like he's ready to ball out next season also. Yeah, Mostert definitely was the feel-good Cinderella story from this offense this year. You know, like we've said, six different teams coming into the Niners, finding his role as kind of a special teams ace. But man, he really, really took over this offense in the second half and going into the playoffs when they needed to him, excuse me, when they needed him most. Um, To be honest with you, I think for me, when I was thinking of this question, I kind of went through the same line of uh, reasoning that you went through. George Kittle as beastly and, you know, great of a tight end he he is. He didn't really have those moments where he consistently put the team on his back. You can look to the New Orleans, you know, you're always going to remember that play, the fourth and two to set up the game winning field goal when you look back on the season. But there aren't too many moments like that for him. And to be honest with you, I think a lot of that was due to him needing to be pulled into the uh, offensive line as an extra blocker that really, really took away from his, obviously his, his ability to go out there and catch passes. So due to that reasoning, I actually, I'm going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I think as, as kind of, this is going to sound funny, controversial as it sounds, the buck stops with him. Every single down, the ball goes through his hands, uh, whether it's a run or a pass, whatever it is. I think that uh, he was the offensive MVP this year. He threw for you know a little over, a little under four thousand yards. I think uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think it was like twenty-seven touchdowns, twelve interceptions, uh, something of the sort. And he was top five, or t- yeah, top five in like five or six different categories. The only quarterback to do that in the NFL this year. So I think he had a tremendous year. And more often than not, we did see him put the team on his back when they needed to when he needed to, excuse me, the most. And I think that he earned it. I actually do think that he earned uh, offensive MVP. And it just gets me so excited thinking about what his future holds with the 49ers. Um, Now, who would you say surprised you on offense? On the offense? Again, it's it's one of those things where because Shanahan interchanges everyone so much, it's hard to definitely full focus on like one but if i if i had to focus on one i gotta give it to kendrick Bourne, dude his box score stats and everyone loves to read those stats may not show that he was an elite wide receiver but when it came to catching the ball on third and fourth down when it came to being clutch in the right moments when it came to being a solid end zone target he was there he was always open for jimmy garoppolo he was damn near jimmy garoppolo's first read every time and when he had to, he came in the clutch. I know he had a couple drops on the season like everyone did, but overall, those drops didn't necessarily get in the way of the Niners winning. And one of the key points to the offense was trying to score in the red zone, which the Niners have struggled with, and they, they kind of struggled with it this season as well. Percentage-wise, they were about in the middle of the pack when it came to scoring touchdowns, but it was an improvement from last season. But overall, Kendrick Bourne just... He really shocked me. He did. He took that next step up when it came to being clutch and really coming through when it matters. And one thing Kendrick Bourne kind of reminds me of on third down is like Julian Edelman. Like I know Brady Brady really loves Julian Edelman when it comes to third down passes. 
And I kind of felt that type of connection between Garoppolo and Bourne. When it was 3rd and 15 or 3rd and 20 or 3rd and 5, I felt like Garoppolo had Bourne open or Garoppolo trusted Bourne with whatever the throw was going to be and Bourne came through. So Bourne definitely surprised me. Again, he took that big step up into being one of the key pieces into this solid offense and it looks like he should be back and he should be ready to rumble once again. I I actually had Bourne uh, written down. For for each of these questions, I kind of have a couple, depending on what you answer, <laughs> uh, that I could shift to. But he was one of my honorable mentions. Um, I actually think I have to go with Debo Samuel here. He surprised me in the sense that um, we don't really know what to expect from rookie, excuse me, rookie wide receivers. Uh, sometimes they come out and light it up for a thousand yards right out the gate. Sometimes they struggle. Sometimes it takes a while for them to catch on. Um, and early on, he played relatively well. But man, especially once he hit that second half of the season, he turned the Jets on. He was running it, catching it, balling out, hard to take down. He was a man out there. And Debo really, really impressed me. And I, you know, like I said with Jimmy, my, my previous answer, I'm really excited to see Debo in year two of this offense uh I saw him tweet out after after the Super Bowl loss that you know man you thought I had a good first year you should see wait until you see my second year um I really really think that the 49ers found a number one wide receiver in Debo Samuel but I also got to throw out there my honorable mention uh it's a tie between Justin School and Daniel Brunskill Man, did those guys step up and play well. Um, it was like this offensive line didn't miss anybody when they, when uh, McGlinchey and Staley were out. They they stepped right in and, and the offense offensive line, excuse me, operated seamlessly. That surprised the hell out of me. And I think anybody's lying if they say that they, they weren't surprised when they saw either of them step in and, and play at a really high level right away. Um, on the flip side... Who disappointed you? Well, I think I think the vanilla answer is going to be Dante Pettis. And I had a lot of high expectations for Pettis. I think we all did. And he just didn't come through. Obviously, he made a couple nice plays on the season, like the game-winning touchdown against the Steelers, that wide-open touchdown pass he caught on Halloween against the Cardinals. But overall, the rest of the season, I don't know what happened with Pettis. I don't know if it was just inconsistency maybe he just didn't get along with Shanahan maybe he was just struggling in practice because Pettis was definitely inconsistent on the season he had a handful of drops it looked like him and Jimmy were on the wrong page at quite a few times and it was just pretty shocking for someone who we had high expectations for coming into the season so I definitely want to see more out of him next season I think he has a lot to prove he definitely got doghoused by Shanahan this year but overall, I think he has a lot to offer still. I really do. I will stand and die on the Dante Pettis Island. No matter what it is, you see every player goes through some kind of adversity in some way. And as I talked about earlier, this whole team has faced adversity. Each player has to face individual pieces of adversity, if you will, at some point. And maybe with Pettis, it's himself. Maybe it's just a coaching staff. Maybe it's just he needs to get out of his head. Whatever it may be, though, I think Pettis is ready. I think he is. But for someone who, again, had a lot of expectations this season, I'm actually really shocked that he didn't really live up to them at all. Yeah, Dante Pettis had 
a really, really interesting year looking back on it because, you know, last year he ended it really, really hot. Um, and there were a lot of expectations, like you said, coming into this year. And the first couple of weeks, it kind of, he didn't really have it. Um, and there were already rumors and speculation of him being in the doghouse. And when we were at the home opener against the Steelers and he caught that game winning touchdown, you could just see all of his anger and frustration. And when he spiked that ball afterwards, you could tell he just wanted to say a giant F you to everyone who doubted me. And man, right then and there, I thought, all right, cool. He, you know, he got this out of him. Uh, he's ready to move on. He's ready to start performing at a high level in this offense. Uh, that's the end of that chapter. He's out of the doghouse. And we're going to see the Dante Pettis that we saw the final, you know, six, seven games of last season. Uh, nope, that did not happen. Uh, he just completely regressed. And, you know, re- he went all the way back into that doghouse and it got to the point where, you know, come Super Bowl, he wasn't even active. So, so much happened in his his storyline this year that it's just, it was it was interesting. And I don't really know what happened behind the scenes. But man, it would be a treat if he was able to continue to get better and progress and kind of get back to where he was the, uh, the end of his first year next year because the 49ers could desperately use him and Debo together as a nice one-two punch uh young receivers on a controlled salary man that would be lethal I'm honestly gonna say and this might seem like a bit of a cop-out but my answer has got to be Robbie Gold um he began the year with the holdout he didn't want to be franchised uh there were rumors that he wanted to go back to Chicago uh his family still lived over there he was kind of being a bit of uh an a-hole excuse my language but um to reporters and they would ask about it after it all ended he held out you know they would ask him hey you know what was up with, did you want to go to chicago was that true or were you just you know is it a business aspect of the game well and you know his answer would be something along the lines of well i'm here aren't i what does it matter you know i'm here and i was kind of like man like really i didn't really see that from him before and then he comes in and he misses like eight of eight kicks to the first couple of games of the year, you know, and it took him, I want to say about the first half of the season to kind of get back into the swing of things. And you could chalk that up to him, not having his long snapper, Kyle Nelson to uh, suspension, whatever it may be. But man, I, that really, that was a a disappointment for me because he had such a historic run his first uh, year or two with the Niners. And then he had this sort of year and it was, it was, it was, you know, head scratching. It made you think, what's really going on with him? Is he injured? Is he just not motivated? Uh, luckily, he was able to turn it around to end the year, but it was still disappointing to see. Um, now, who do you think, Anthony, will make a big jump going into next season? I'm definitely going to stick with who I thought was the MVP, but I think it'll be Raheem Mostert. And again, it's really hard for running backs in Kyle Shanahan system to necessarily step up. Devontae Freeman did when Shanahan was in Atlanta, but he also had Tevin Coleman right by his side to spell him, and they really worked as a solid one-two. But overall, I got to stick with Mostert because of how well he finished the second half. It's really nice to see that Shanahan now knows what he really has at his disposal in Mostert. 
and Shanahan shouldn't be afraid to use Mostert at all going forward. So next season, I definitely expect Mostert to really be used a lot more. I don't think he'll be playing special teams as much anymore next season, or maybe he will. I know being Gunner is really important, and it seems like Mostert enjoys it. But man, I just want him to stay ha- happy and healthy and be ready to ball out next season. So I got to give it to Mostert. He definitely showed up in the second half, and for next season, I think it's time for him to to really show up for the first full season of his career, if you will. He now gets a chance to finally run and showcase his skills and he shouldn't be afraid to show it and just do it moving forward. Yeah, Mostert, he's he's got a lot uh, in his gas tank still. Extremely motivated, uh, high work ethic type of guy. And I would not be surprised to see him have a uh, thousand yards next year at all. Um, you kind of referred to your previous answer. I'm going to do the same exact thing using the same logic. And I got to go with Debo, man. I know I said it already, but... I think he's poised to have a a wide receiver one type year for the 49ers next season. Um, Same, same as uh, Raheem. He's got that work ethic, the drive, the motivation. He's young. He's still uh, looking to prove himself in this league. And the opportunity is there for the taking with the 49ers. They're screaming for one of their young receivers to step up uh, to make them not go out and sign a veteran possibly not even bring back Sanders. So I think that um, Debo is definitely going to take a big step forward, and I would not be surprised to see him have 1,000 yards receiving next year. And he's still going to be a threat in the running game. That's what makes him so intriguing is that he's a very, very versatile weapon, and I couldn't think of a better fit for him to have landed in than Kyle Shanahan's offense because, man, it's just perfect. It's a dream come true for him. Um, speaking of Jimmy Garoppolo, he came off an ACL injury and he looked solid, but he definitely still has some room to grow some things to improve on. Uh, what exactly do you think he needs to work on to take that next step to be considered an elite quarterback? I think to take that next step, and I'll keep it kind of simple here. He needs to realize that he doesn't always have to trust his first raid Because a lot of the time when he is on his first raid, it's most likely a wide open slant or it's going to be a a really, really close contested catch. And that does lead to drops and eventual interceptions. So I think Jimmy's really good at progressing, but I definitely think he can work on something like that. He needs to know that he can trust guys outside of Kittle and Debo and later in the second half with Sanders and know that he can go to Bourne whenever he needs to or he can go to Kittle whenever he needs to and just really, I guess, spread out the love, if you will. So I definitely think Jimmy needs to work on that. He needs to really just not be afraid to push the ball down the field, and I know he's not, and I know a lot of what Shanahan's system calls for is a West Coast-style offense, so it's a lot of underneath and checkdowns and crossers up the middle of the field, so it's more or less small ball, if you will, but I do want to see Garoppolo just chuck it down the field more, man. I know he had a very solid, not completion percentage, but I think it was yards per play on air yards of 20 or more yards. <laughs> That's a lot of yards, but the point being is that Jimmy Garoppolo is solid when he needs to throw the ball down the field, but the thing is is he did it he did it what lower than any other quarterback in the NFL. He hardly ever threw the ball down the field. So, I definitely want to see him move the ball down the field as well when the situation calls for it and 
coach and just be ready to ball out. He proved that he can be the guy. But again, being able to trust all of your receivers, establish chemistry and wrap it with those guys, and then taking downfield shots, you do those things. And Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely a top eight quarterback, in my opinion. It would be something to see him uh, move the ball down the field more, press the ball down the field more, because like you said, he didn't really take too many shots. He he took the safe shots and the ones that he was comfortable uh, with, but it would be nice to see him kind of push it a little more and take some more risks, trust his receivers a bit more, uh, and that would really, really take this offense to the next level for me. I'd say he needs to work on his decision-making. Sometimes you see him in the pocket and uh, he takes too long to kind of decide to pass or throw or excuse me, pass or run or whatever it may be. I feel like that decision-making needs to be sped up. And, you know, it's his first full season. Like I've said, you've heard guys talk about the game slowing down once you get into your second, third season. So I'm looking for that to uh, happen to him. And not only that, he can't continue to gift teams with one to two passes per game that they can count on, like clockwork. Um, he, he can't allow that to happen. Uh, that can cause the team, you know, a win or a loss moving forward, and it has already. So I just think that he needs to make work on his decision-making and his, his speed. And not only that, but elite quarterbacks make their teammates better. Uh, he he's shown a little bit this year that he was able to put the team on his back. I think as long as he continues, he's able to do that. He will be uh, taking some some large strides to becoming an elite quarterback. But you know, like I said, there's still some work to be done. But I think if he if he follows what we said here, and I know it's a lot easy more easier said than done, but you know he definitely has a good shot of being a top quarterback in this league for years to come. Um, you spoke about Raheem Mostert as your, you know, uh, MVP and also guy who's going to be poised to make a big, uh, have a big year next year. Do you think that he, based off of this season alone, solidified himself as the primary running back going into next year? Yeah, I kind of talked about Mostert for the most part, but I think he did, and Shanahan likes to interchange his backs. It's obvious he did it with Coleman. Breda, Wilson, and obviously Mostert. But out of everyone who ran the season, Mostert definitely proved he can do it the most consistently. And that's not to take away from the other guys because the other guys are just as talented as well. But the consistency with Mostert is unreal. To average almost seven yards a carry on the season, to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield and just do it all, you got to have that ability if you want to be successful in the NFL. And I'm sure Shanahan can get that out of his other running backs. But it's the way Mostert ran and just how successful he was is why I want to see Mostert be the primary back. And we know that, again, Kyle Shanahan's offense doesn't really require guys to be running back one because of how much he changes them. But I call it primary because I think out of all the guys who should get the most touches, period, it is definitely Mostert. So feed Mostert. He should be the primary back moving forward. And it's just exciting because the guy's an absolute speed demon and he's just a solid player overall. Yeah, it it's funny because you would think, yeah, he's done enough to prove himself to be the primary back. But I kind of thought that already this year and 
it seems like Kyle has this infatuation with Coleman and not that Coleman's not a great running back, but I feel like Moster is just way more suited in this style of offense to succeed. And he, he continues to kind of force a, a square peg into a round hole with Coleman. And it's not, don't get me wrong, it's not that Coleman can't succeed in this offense, um, but it's kind of like he's settling for a B when he has an A in, in Mostert. So as much as I'd like to say, yeah, uh, Mostert has done enough, it's it's a matter of Kyle seeing that and, you know, kind of putting his his love for Coleman and their, their history aside and saying, hey, man, I'm going to go with Mostert here. Uh, until proven otherwise or until maybe he no longer has the hot hand but based off of this season alone yeah yeah oh yeah no question about mine moster did enough to to prove he should be the main one moving forward uh moving on to the other side of the ball anthony for the defense did you expect their defense the 49ers defense to be one of the best groups in football this year so from what i saw with the team last season I was one of the few people who thought it was crazy or not crazy that other people were calling for Salah's head. Or how do I say it? I thought it was crazy that people were calling for for Salah's head after last season. I was like, look, the guy didn't have much to work with, and he did the most that he could. Now that he has his weapons, he can finally really build the whole puzzle together. And that's exactly what he did this season. So I got to give Salah a lot of credit for the defense. The defense just played their butts off through and through and I expected them to be a top 10 unit I really did but for them to be a top two unit I definitely did not expect that at all so props to the defense they shocked a lot of people and it looks like they're going to be healthy and pretty much all back together and ready to go for next season also yeah I I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna act like I saw this um I I knew that based off of their inability to get to the quarterback last year, it was going to be tough um, when they added Nick Bosa and traded for D Ford. I, I thought they had a, a much greater chance of being a good defense, uh, but you never really know what you can get out of a rookie. And to be honest with you, I was one of the guys that wasn't quite sold on Quan Alexander. So it was, it was hard to tell. Um, I wasn't really sure what this team was, excuse me, what this defense was going to look like. Um, I thought they were going to improve obviously from, from last year, but no, I'd be lying to you if I said that I saw them being a top, you know, one to two defenses in the NFL. I, I I didn't, but man, it it was great to see. Um, who would you say was the defensive MVP? There's so many people to give credit for, man. I mean, everyone balled out and, I just want to say the whole team, but shoot, if I had to give it to one person, I got to roll with Bosa, dude. He started off the season not rough, but he came in a little hurt. He was working off that ankle injury he got rolled on, I think in the preseason or something like that. But he came on, he came along fine, and he just did what everyone expected him to do. And obviously a lot of that has to do with having D Ford and Armstead and Buckner. But it's the fact that he took advantage of his opportunities and really went with it. And look, he got Defensive Rookie of the Year. I think he was a Pro Bowler. He, I don't know if he was All Pro. He should have been, in my opinion. But 
nonetheless, the guy deserves it all. There's a reason why he was Defensive Rookie of the Year. There's a reason why people at one point were considering him Defensive Player of the Year. And I wish he could have got it this season, but man, Stephon Gilmore balled out. But in any event, though... I got to give it to Nick Bosa. He turned a lot of heads. He proved exactly who he was, especially in college. And he just looked the part. He played the part. And he clearly showed that he is the guy. And John Lynch and the Niners just, they chose the right person. They really did. So I got to give it to Bosa, dude. He was always in the backfield. He was always getting, or not getting blown up. He was always blowing up double teams. And the guy just did it all. He got an interception, for Christ's sake, dude. I couldn't believe it. it. You know, against Kyle Allen, it was like, wow, that is unreal to see a defensive lineman get up like that and just pluck it out of the air. So I got to give it to Nick Bosa. This was definitely a hard choice for me, but to be a rookie and to come in with a lot of expectations, and for the most part, I thought he hit those expectations and he really just had a solid season. And he... Another one of those guys that's just ready to take that next step into next season. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's already contending for Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I think it's kind of hard to argue against picking Nick Bosa. He just, like you said, he stepped in right from the start and he was just... Teams had no answer for him as soon as he got healthy and as soon as he kind of had a game or two. I think he, I mean, he had his first sack in week one. So he just the ability that he's shown and just the the comfort uh, comfortability in the the NFL already you rarely see it from a a rookie especially a rookie you know rushing the passer it usually takes a while to adjust to the speed and the strength of NFL offensive linemen but man he seemed like he was ready to go from from the beginning um, this question was hard for me it was hard for me like you said there's so many guys you can go with uh. I went and I wrote down Fred Warner, and you know me, you know your your guys Jeff Wilson, my guys Fred Warner. Um, I think he he had a hell of a year um, on a not so talented or not as talented, I should say, defense. He's the clear defensive MVP on this one with so many stars. It's like it's like an all star team uh, for the most part on certain certain you know minus a few positions, but he played really well. And, you know, it being his, what, second year, um, Quan going down, him taking over kind of the leadership roles for the middle of the defense. Man, he played at an extremely high level. And just seeing him grow and grow into that leader that he's, he's becoming was really something to marvel at. Um, but it's funny because I wrote down F- uh, Fred Warner. But if you're, you know, you kind of alluded it to, 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 excuse me, to it in your answer as well. If we're talking about the person who brought the most value to the team, to the defense, it's kind of hard to argue with D Ford um, simply due to the way the defense performed with him subtracted out of it. Uh, they weren't able to, to get home. The, the secondary suffered. The All of the stats kind of went down a bit when D Ford was out of the lineup. And as soon as you plugged him back in, man, that Vikings game where everybody was back, the defense looked like, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season again. They were all over the field. Kirk Cousins, you know, was essentially crying in the backfield, just going down, waving his white flag. Uh, teams had no answer for the 49ers front seven. So 
Fred Warner, but man, D Ford's definitely got to get some, some looks when it comes to that question. Um, now we kind of asked the same three questions for the offense. I'll ask him for the defense. Who surprised you the most from the 49ers defense this year? Definitely Emmanuel Mosley. And there's a lot of people who could have surprised you, but I got to give it to Mosley because he came in for Spoon, who started hot, got hurt, and just ran away with the job right away. And Mosley was solid. He was very solid. And he he was another one of those guys that really exceeded expectations also because we didn't know what we were necessarily going to get out of him. Was he the product of a good pass rush? Sure. But when the pass rush wasn't there, Mosley was still very solid in coverage. So Mosley surprised me. I didn't think he would come in and be like Richard Sherman light. But he looks like he's a very solid guy, and he looks like he's going to be the next cornerback too moving forward. He deserves it. He worked hard. He was clutching the playoffs. Well, obviously, not the Super Bowl, but he was clutching the other two games, and he was clutching the regular season when they needed him to be. So I got to give it to Mosley. He surprised me. Little kid out of, I think, Tennessee, and just feisty. Very feisty, very solid player. And based on his play alone, I definitely want to see Witherspoon compete against him. But I wouldn't be surprised if Mosley just runs away with the job because he he far exceeded what a lot of us expected out of him for this season alone. Yeah, Mosley uh, was was a good good feel good story of this year. Like you said, he stepped in. Spoon was injured, uh, and for the most part, there wasn't that much of a drop off. He played at a pretty high level, uh, considering the circumstances, and you didn't really, you know, it's like a, a long snapper. You don't really want to hear cornerbacks' names too much, because if so, usually that means that things aren't going good. But he played pretty well, um, especially, you know, at a surprising level, because he wasn't supposed to be playing that much to begin with. Um, and I, I agree with you. I would like to see Spoon come back into the mix of things and get his shot, because he was playing at a high level to begin the season. I've said it a few times in this podcast alone. Uh, he was playing at a pretty high level. He gets injured, and then he comes back, and it was like that entire, you know, whatever he had going for him was just thrown out the window, and it was it was very unfortunate to see because I was so happy for him to finally be playing at a high level, finally be silencing his critics, you know, all the people that were saying that he was a bust already after one year. And man, it was just, it was sad to see, but he's a strong man. You can tell um, he's got a lot of confidence. He's got a lot of confidence in himself and his ability. And I think he'll be back. And as long as he's able to kind of fix some small things here and there, um, technique things, mentality things, I think he'll, he'll be back at a high level. For me, I think the guy on defense that surprised me the most had to be Drake Greenlaw. Um, he, you know, it's, it's a very similar storyline to, to, to Mosley. But he came in for an injured guy in Quan Alexander, uh, drafted. I think this year the plan was just kind of to be more of a situational player. Uh, definitely not a every down type guy, but that that's what was needed for him. And he stepped up and, you know, he, he got better each and every week. And that's all you can ask of a, a rookie uh, or any young player for that matter. And it was really, really exciting to see. And of course, we're all going to remember he had the essentially the tackle of the year for this team, uh, saving them the division, giving them the number one seed, winning in Seattle, you know, giving them the uh, 
winning the NFC West. Uh, so it was just, man, he Greenlaw had a lot to do with this season, and, and it was extremely surprising. Um, now, for the defense, who do you think would make a big jump going into next season? Going into next season, I think there's a lot of options, but I'm going to steal your guy, and I'm going to say Fred Warner. Fred Warner was definitely snubbed. He should have been a pro bowler. He arguably should have been an all-pro. And we saw that stat with Bobby Wagner, where it was like in coverage, he had given up the most yards out of any linebacker in coverage. That's like incredible. So I definitely think Warner is ready to take that next step. He definitely will be competing for an all-pro and pro bowl spot next season. But he's instinctual. He's fast. He's got sideline to sideline speed. He knows where to be at the right time. He knows how to read quarterbacks. He knows how to diagnose running lanes. And Warner is just, he's playing like Navarro Bowman did when Bowman was in his prime. And it's really exciting to watch how that's all coming together. So if anyone's going to take that next big step, I think it's going to be the the play caller in the middle of the field. It's going to be the anchor, the line, or the anchor, the front seven. And I got to give it to Fred Warner. He has a lot to prove next season, just like he did this season. But if anyone's going to be ready for it, and if anyone's going to be ready to really take that next step on this defense, it's definitely going to be Fred Warner. And that's really saying something because, you know, like we said, he played at a really, really high level as it was this year. So, you know, thinking that he's going to step up even that much more next year. Ooh, man, he's going to be he's going to be a really really good linebacker and opposing teams are going to be scared to go across the middle again. Uh this is a hard one for me. Um not because there's not a lot of players that I don't think are going to, you know, play at a good uh excuse me, high level next year, but more so I'm trying to think of who already isn't playing at a high level. And not only that, but that's going to be around next year and returning. Oh man, it's hard. Um, I I I have to agree with you. I have to go with Fred. Uh, he's the only guy that I could really think of that I think is going to excel even more. Um, I think he's going to return, like you said, and just make that leap and be able to grow into an elite linebacker. I really do see that out of him. I think he has the traits physically and mentally. Um, and I just, I think he's going to be the anchor of this defense for a long time to come and him paired with Quan Alexander and, you know, throwing Greenlaw. I think the, the, the linebacking unit is going to be a really, really formidable unit for, for years to come. And 49ers fans love a nice linebacking unit. I can tell you that much. So they're going to be, you know, they're going to be treated for a while here in the Bay Area. Um, moving on to my next question. Cornerback Richard Sherman. We know him. We love him. Uncle Sherman. Um, his play this year was extremely critical to the team's success. Do you think his level of play will be the same going into next season? Or do you think we'll see some sort of drop off? I, you know, it's tough because guys like Sherman are so feisty and they're so what's the word I'm trying to think so stubborn when it comes to really facing any type of regression and Sherman he it didn't seem like he regressed this season much at all but if the big story was like in the playoffs when he got toasted by Devontae Adams and Sammy Watkins it's those kind of things that really really make you go okay um this is concerning but 
if anyone's going to really face any kind of adversity when it comes to father time, I think it's Sherman. I don't, I think he'll regress slightly. I really do. Age happens. It always happens. At the end of the day, father time always beats whoever you are. It's going to happen to Sherman at some point, but it's just a matter of can Sherman work around it and is he ready to work around it? And I think he is. So I, I think he'll ball out, but if he doesn't, Spoon has to get another chance, dude. I know Spoon struggled a lot when he came back healthy, but I think a lot of that was a lot of him getting into his own head and really knocking him out of his own rhythm after the first few weeks of the season. And I'm not saying that Sherman should get benched if Spoon performs well because Sherman should always be on the field. But Sherman should definitely be ready to to compete against Mosley and Sherman because these are the young kids. This is this is the next wave of guys who are going to anchor the defense for the next five to ten years. And now that Sherman's time is eventually coming up soon, he needs to he needs to ball out for as long as he can. So I think Sherman's play will be sustainable, but I do think he might lose a step or two. But I don't think. I don't think those couple steps he loses will necessarily be impactful for his game and the way he plays football. It's hard when, you know, a player plays at such a high level to predict them to continue playing at that level. Um, It's hard for any player as it is, but especially one that has, you know, father time creeping up on him. And, um, you know, it's already kind of, I don't want to say he's getting close to that drop-off, but it's like players or fans are, are, are looking for it, creeping around the corner saying, you know, is this the year that he's finally going to have a bad year? Is he finally going to get exposed? Or not even exposed, but just, you know, um, you're going to see a different side of him. He's not going to be the same player that you're used to seeing. So I do think that he will have a bit of a drop-off, but that's just because you can't always be, you know, the number one, number two ranked corner um, it's it. Sometimes you're gonna face better wide receivers or whatever the case may be. In addition to getting older, and I just think that we will see a bit of a drop off stats wise. Um, but I don't think that's to take anything away from Sherman because he's still a very very talented corner, still one of the best in the league, and I still think teams are gonna try to avoid throwing his way, and that really helps his case. But yeah, I like you said, you know, at the end of your question or answer there, I would like to see Spoon still get some chances in this offense, or excuse me, defense and still get some some playing time with Sherman who he could pick so much from, pick up so much from, pick his brain, learn the game while he's playing it alongside him, and I think that would really bode well for the 49ers moving forward uh when Sherman is either transitioning to safety or no longer with the team. Um, they need to kind of take advantage of having him while they do. Um, now, wrapping it up here, the entire team exceeded expectations this year. Um, obviously, by making it to the Super Bowl, most people had them barely even improving on last season. At least most people in the media, that was. Looking forward uh, to next year, what were your early bold takes for next season? Early bold takes could be anything, so I'm glad this is a very broad topic. But we'll get into more of our predictions and whatnot later on this year because I'm really excited to talk about what this team has to offer. But my very early bold take 
is I think the Niners can win at least 14 games. Games. And the schedule is very favorable, in my opinion. If they can win 13 with who they had to face, they can definitely win 14. Another year in Shanahan's system, more pieces added on offense and defense. This team is complete. They're still going to be one of the most balanced teams in all of football. And again, the favorable schedule has a lot to do with how I think the Niners will be able to move and play going forward. I think it works out in their favor. So if everything goes according to plan, at worst, next season's record will be 10-6 and six and a wild card spot. But at best, I definitely think this team can go 14-2, and two, no doubt about it. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting because they... You know, they're going to lose some guys. That That's inevitable. But they're obviously going to add some. They're going to have the draft. They don't have too much cap room. But it looks like they're going to be able to retain Armstead, possibly bring back Sanders. And, you know, like you said, guys having another year in this system. It's going to be interesting. And, you know, I'm pulling up their opponents right now. Uh, they face, you know, the Eagles, the Bills, the Packers, uh, the Redskins, the Dolphins, the Cowboys, the Patriots, the Saints, the Giants, and the Jets, and obviously in addition to the rest of the NFC West. But I I would not disagree with you there that 14, uh, 13, 14 games is a stretch by any 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 means. Um, I could definitely see that happening. But it, it it's going to be difficult, you know. Any any winning that many games in the NFL is hard, let alone twice in a row. It's extremely difficult. Uh, my bold takes, I would say, for the next season, I'm going to say Jimmy's going to throw closer to 5,000 than 4,000 yards. Uh, he's going to have a 2-1 to one touchdown to interception ratio. Um, or no, no, no. I'll cut that down. I'll say, uh, what is that, 2.5 to 1. You know, I, I think he's going to have a better ratio than this year because I think he had roughly about a 2-1 to one this year. And here is my boldest prediction I think you'll probably ever hear me say, I think Debo Samuel is going to come extremely close to having a thousand thousand season. Uh, you heard it here first thousand receiving thousand rushing. I think Kyle Shanahan loves what he can do with him in his offense. And I think he's going to be uh, featured heavily going into next year. And I could see it happening. I mean, he, you just saw uh, Christian McCaffrey do it. But, you know, Debo's, Debo's, you know, a same, same, different animal, same beast, like, like they say. So, um, that's kind of my bold prediction here. Um, Anthony, now that we're wrapping it up here, wrapping up our 2019 49ers season recap at the Red and Gold Standard, uh, any closing remarks, shout outs, tidbits, anything you want to add here? I'm really happy with how well the rookies progressed this season, man. I wish we could have saw Jalen Hurd. I hope we get to see him more. But Wisnowski excelled, Dre Greenlaw excelled, Bosa is an MVP at some point, <laughs> and Debo Samuel looks like he's going to be a pro bowler and maybe eventual offensive player of the year. According to the stats you're bringing me up with your bold takes, dude, <laughs> Debo Samuel can definitely do it. So overall, though, I'm definitely proud of all the rookies. This was by far one of John Lynch's best rookie classes yet. And I'm only excited to see who we're going to draft next. But the fact that he got so much out of the guys we have now really goes to show how smart our front office is and should just tell you that trust the guys, trust that they know they're doing what they need to do. 
and they'll get us as far as they need to be. And all it took was one healthy season for the Niners to be Super Bowl contenders. So what's next, you know? So I'm really excited, but overall, props to John Lynch and the rest of the guys, man. They definitely plugged it for this team, and we have a lot to look forward to, a whole lot to look forward to. Yeah, it's going to be, man, it's going to be another exciting season. I, I honestly can't wait for it to be here already. Um, it, it, it just kind of hit me the other day, man, there's no football on Sunday, and that sucks. Uh, moving into the next couple of months is the worst time of the year when there are no sports on. Oh man, it's going to be the rough time of the year, but I just hope it goes by quickly. At least we had a couple of months uh, more 49ers football than we've had in the last couple of years. Uh, the draft is right around the corner already. So just some things to get excited about. But for me, wrapping it up here, uh, my final thoughts, I'd have to say, um, the culture that the 49ers are building here in the Bay Area, man, it's 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 electric and you can feel it. You heard just about every pending free agent say, no, man, I want to be back. Uh, I like what they're building here. Players are buying in and I think that, you know, they're going to be strapped for cash, like I said. But you might see some players take some team friendly deals just to stay or even come to the Bay Area to play for this team play for Kyle Shanahan aka the coolest coach in the NFL Um, (laughs) but I just think that the 49ers have something really really cool going on right now and I hope that it continues to progress moving forward and hopefully they can bring home that sixth ring Um, I think that's just gonna go about go ahead and do it for us tonight guys thanks for tuning in to our 2019 season recap for the 49ers here at the Red and Gold Standard podcast you can follow me on Twitter at Zach Hernan. You can follow the podcast at RGS Pod. Uh, Anthony, go ahead and let the folks know where to find you one more time. As always, faithful Perry underscore 49ers on Twitter. That's P E R R Y underscore 49 E R S. All right. And if you guys are listening on iTunes, please do us a huge favor and leave us a review. Uh, we read all of them, we appreciate them. Thank you guys. And we hope to hear from you guys soon. Have a good one.